So let's pray. Father, help me. Speak through me. And I pray this would encourage everyone who hears. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, this is really different, talking to a computer again. But uh, has this been a wild, crazy month for you guys? Many, many people have been torpedoed in different ways. My, my father died. That is uh, a pretty major life event. You kind of feel like the central beam in your house has been removed and that uh, you got to figure out how to replace it. That's kind of a, not that you replace your father. I just mean like the shaking and the structure and everything. And uh, while I was there dealing with the death of my father, uh, I found out that Richard's brother died. And, um, and it just, and then also in the chaos, we had some people in the church that we love who were trying to help. We had some pretty unfortunate wipeouts in the church and major decisions that needed to be made. Um, I was talking with Jason and Danielle this morning. They had a really, really difficult um, time with the birth of their first son, but praise the Lord, everybody's healthy, but they're still reeling a little bit from, it, it was very difficult. COVID seemed to have swept over. And uh, I mean, it, even, even the littlest things can throw us off. I was talking to Matt, his vacation, his glorious ski vacation in Keystone was torpedoed by sickness. So uh, whether they're small things like our vacations or whether they're big things like deaths in the family, uh, what do we do when our life is torpedoed? So you have a ship out there just kind of cruising through the ocean and all of a sudden, wham. And I wish I can't see all your hands or whatever, but I just, it seems to me like this month had an inordinate amount of torpedo hits on our lives. Can I hear a silent amen? So I thought I would talk about that. Oh, I see one. I see one amen. I see half an amen. So, okay. I can only see five people there, so because um, I'm looking at my screen. But uh, I was thinking about the song, songs of ascent. Um, I hope you are recording this, Alan, because I forgot to hit record on my device here. Uh, it made me think of Psalm uh, 121. Because when you get torpedoed, you need to not lose hope. You need to... If you lose hope, your ship can sink. If you don't, uh, you can make it through. And uh, but but you're never gonna. There's never gonna be a time in your life where you're not vulnerable for these life events that really shake you up. So the psalmist says, "I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. For, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord Yahweh. He made heaven and earth. Pretty good person to have on your side. The person who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip." He who watches over you will not slumber. Behold, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So he's watching over us. He's aware of what's going on. He's not going to allow us to be destroyed. Yahweh's your keeper. Yahweh's your shade on your right hand. The sun will not beat down on you by day nor the moon by night. Yahweh will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. He will guard you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forever. So here's a guy and something's going on. 
Usually in the Psalms, you have enemies pressing in. <clears throat> Sometimes it's physical sickness, crazy circumstances, insurrections in the kingdom, potential you know takeovers, moral failures that uh, leave you vulnerable to destruction, etc. All through the Psalms. So here's one where the guy says, all right, when I get torpedoed, what am I going to do? I'm going to look up and I'm going to realize that if I look up and I go through this wisely, God's going to pull me out of it. I was thinking about um, the Lord of the Rings film and there's uh, two towers. The king starts to lose hope and he says some quotable quotes like with all these uh Orcs and Iroquois and Arakai or whatever they're called, pressing in on the uh, the uh, Helms Deep or wherever they were. Uh, he said, "What can so few people do against all this reckless hate?" He starts to lose his faith that good can prevail. But uh, Aragorn's been told that in, in the seventh day he needs to look up, and he looks up and. Uh, on the seventh day, they, they, he, he tells this despairing king, we need to ride out, we need to keep our hope up. And then they ride out and they look up on the hill and there's Gandalf and he shows up with all the uh, the um, the warriors. Yeah, you wanna see it again? Oops, nope, you don't wanna see that one. Let's see those, let's see Gandalf show up again on all the riders. Oh, not gonna work for me. There they are, there's the riders. The riders of Rohan coming to save the day. And then the sun breaks and uh, they all they all can't see ahead of them, and um, they come down, and of course they save the day. And I was just thinking about that this morning. All through the Bible, uh, we're told that no matter what circumstance you're in, there's always hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. If you don't give in to condemnation, you don't give in to despair, you don't give in to uh, fear. All these different things. I was also thinking of Psalm 27. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Don't deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. False witnesses have risen against me, such as breathed out violence. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Of course, I didn't change all the lords here to Yahweh, but anytime you see Lord in cap, it's his personal name, Yahweh. I would have despaired. Anybody despairing? You think God's forgotten you? I mean, we, we've hit just some wild stuff this month, serious sickness, death, potential death. I don't even know what else. I know I know some people's lives are hanging by the, a thread. I have different files going off in my head, situations I know that you're in, very, very difficult stuff. Unless I believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord, that's called hope in the land of the living. That's where we are. Wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Don't be like the king who's flipping out and what can so few do? Good's not going to prevail. Be like Aragorn, grab you know yourself by the lapel and slap yourself in the face and say, soul, we're going to hope, we're going to believe because we're always in this life going to be torpedoed by something. So I would have despaired unless I believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord. So wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Just wait for the Lord. So uh, I guess I'll talk a little more about me. With the death of my father, I didn't realize how what, the, what that does with your brain, because I've only had one father, and um, I didn't realize, even though I don't have a ton of interaction with him anymore, just, you know, every week or, or so, we try to talk over, you know, video chat, 
but hugely important foundational figure in my life who spoke some of the most important things into my life, the one that turned me on really to seeking the Lord and instilled in me along with my mother, the importance of the word of God. And when they're gone, it just really starts to mess with your head and things, struggling with doubts and things that I hadn't experienced really since I was about 20 years old, it seemed like. But as I was struggling through stuff, I just I, I just remembered things are going to normalize again. Things are going to get back to your equilibrium is going to get back. It always does. No matter what hits your life, trust the Lord, do the things that you know to do, and things are going to normalize again. Don't run with these negative emotions like fear and doubt and despair or bitterness or frustration. Just wait. Wait for God. So uh, I was thinking about in Scripture different torpedoes that hit different people's lives and see if you can relate to this. Uh, those of you who went through walk through the Bible, who are the big three in the Old Testament? The, those of you who went through the Romans one, uh, a lot of Paul's letters, so and the Jews in Jesus' day, they're continually referring back to three people in the Old Testament. And uh, I can't hear your answers, but if I could, of course, you would say Abraham, our lives can be torpedoed by, and I could have I could have taken any number of torpedoes that hit Abraham, but I'm just going with this one. The bad advice torpedo, the people that you love, encourage you to do something, and then it turns out really bad. So with Abraham, of course, this is Sarah, and uh, she can't have a child, and she is, I'm sure, very discouraged, very uh, kind of moping around, in the doldrums and uh, back in the day, your value as a woman was really determined by whether you could produce children for your husband. That was kind of your most glorious ability, God-given ability. She couldn't do it, so she's moping around and and <laughs> we can only imagine how she was influencing Abraham at the time. Oh, come on, Sarah, it's okay. Well, she comes up with a plan and it's basically what everybody else around her is doing. And it's, um, you know, when we left Egypt, I picked up this handmaid and she's fertile and she's able to have children and everybody else does this. When you can't have a child, you give them your, your uh, servant and Hagar can have a child for me. So Abraham, on the basis of the advice of the person who he's in deeper relationship with than anyone on earth, he goes through with it and it just leads to nightmare after nightmare after nightmare, including horrific uh, marital, marital troubles. And Abraham could have said, you know, what are you complaining about? You're the one that told me to do this. So maybe you're a student and your parents tell you to do something. You're the one who told me to go here. You're the one who told me to date this guy. You're the one, uh, the bad advice torpedo, even from the people that we love. And then it comes back around and blows up our ship and brings all kinds of crazy. That's just one example. Uh, Moses, here's an interesting one, kind of the blindside torpedo where he is doing precisely exactly what God has asked him to do. God meets him in the wilderness. I'm not going to go through the whole story. Hopefully you guys know your Bibles well enough. Moses, you know, flees from Egypt. He's out in the wilderness. God shows up, reveals himself. So uh, reveals the long name. So Moses and God uh, in, in the early chapters of Exodus. 
And he says, go uh, set my people uh, free and t tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh, so I want to do the hand signs for walkthrough, but I'm going to refrain. But uh, he goes back to Egypt. And the first thing that happens is Pharaoh clamps down on everybody and makes life way harder, more difficult. And so the people are angry at Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, Moses is obeying God and it ain't working. And he's totally blindsided. He thinks that people are going to be having a party, a parade, uh, because the great deliverer has come. And instead they're like, life was easier before you got here. Why don't you guys just get out of here or we're going to run you out of here. And so Moses basically says, uh, this is what the people say to him. Lord, look on, on you and judge. You have made us repulsive in Pharaoh's sight and the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why did you do this to me? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done harm to the people. You've not rescued your people at all. So he's just blindsided. He's trying to follow the Lord. He's trying to obey. And uh, things were only getting worse, and he's totally rejected, and he feels like a failure. And uh, so let's see what other kind of blind side do we have. So if we're looking at the big three, we've got Abraham, Moses, and who's left? It'd be David, of course. So oops, but we're going to get there in a minute because I think Joseph is so cool. I wanted to put him in, here, him in here as well. So Joseph is a young guy, and this is the injustice torpedo. Um, he got an unfair grade on the test. He got fired. He got passed up for a promotion. His, I mean, you just think about all the injustices. Uh, he's trying to love his wife. I mean, again, this isn't Joseph, but uh, just like a spouse cheats on you. A friend betrays you. You're rejected by your family. Your parents don't love you, et cetera, et cetera. The injustice torpedo. So Joseph is just hated by his, his brothers. And injustice after injustice after injustice hits his life. The first one is his brothers plan to kill him. I mean, for no good reason. And then they say, well, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. And so then he goes in, in, uh, down to Egypt in slavery, and he tries to do the best job he can, and he is put on the sex offenders list for nothing that he did. It was a false accusation. And he just keeps getting hit and hit and hit by these unforeseen, life-altering, potentially life-destroying events. But anyway, he's not one of the big three, so he's in italics here. Uh, so then the third one, of course, would be David, and this is the one that we really need to concentrate on here because when a torpedo hits your life, the personal stupidity torpedo, is it's hard to believe that God can really use that one. I mean, bad advice, maybe God could redeem that. Being blindsided by what other people are doing, maybe that. Injustice, just wrong. Of course, God can redeem that because they're not being fair. So God's on my side. What about the stupid personal stupidity torpedo? When you do something so dumb that you're the one that has destroyed your options, you ruin the relationship with that person that God brought into your life. You destroy the potential to get into that grad school or to advance in that job, or you bring the chaos into your own family, et cetera, et cetera. And so here we have David, the personal stupidity torpedo. And the best example here is in 2 Samuel, where he just decides he wants to go sleep with a pretty girl that is someone else's wife because he's the king and kings can do whatever the heck they want. 
and that just brings trouble, trouble, trouble um, on his life. And he ends up writing Psalm 51, and I'm not going to go there just yet, because what I'm trying to tell you guys is, again, what do you do when the torpedo hits your life? You look up, you think about who God is, you don't respond in your pain and in your fear and in your confusion. You refocus on who God is and what his promises are. And then you walk very carefully in faith and obedience through the trial. But any one of these, the bad advice, the injustice, the blind side, and even the personal stupidity, if we will do this, if we will do it right, God will redeem them. If we respond in fear or condemnation or bitterness or shame or whatever, uh, God's not going to redeem it. He's made no promises to redeem because instead of acting in, in hope and faith, we've chosen to ask, act in fear and doubt and et cetera. And so the outcome really depends on how we're going to respond because David's personal stupidity torpedo was eventually redeemed in a thousand different ways. He was not thrown in the trash can by God, and God didn't cut off his line. Jesus came through the line of David. His son, even with the woman that he had an adulterous affair with, was Solomon, the most glorious king that uh, Israel ever knew. But David had to humble himself. And so Psalm 51 needs to be memorized by everyone who's ever it's kind of interesting. It's like you launch a torpedo off your own ship and then it comes back and blows you up. And you're like, where did that come from? It's like, you launched it, buddy. The other ones came from the outside. But even those, God can redeem. But the key is, uh, Psalm 51 says, you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart of God you will not uh, despise. You just have to own your stuff. You have to take your mess to the Lord. You take your potentially sinking ship to the Lord, no matter what caused it. And if it had anything to do with you, you have to own it. Don't blame God for the torpedo that you launched off your ship that has come back and destroyed your ability to function, uh, the course you were on, etc. You need to hand it to the Lord. And so this is what David does. And God redeems it, and God still has good plans for his life. So I can't, let me see here. I just want to talk about what, so what do you do after this kind of a, tor a torpedo attack? And if if we were in an open room, I could just ask questions. Um, I know some of you, your all's hearts are broken because you have kids out there and you're fighting for them. Uh, I know some of you guys have health issues. Again, as I said, we dealt with death this month. I know that um, there's family chaos. I know some of you guys do not have the perfect marriage. There's just things that are shaking our ship. I know there's looming uh, potential life-altering things that are confronting some of you. So what do we do? when our peace and tranquility has been shaken? Dramatic pause. What do you think you do? First of all, remember who God is and choose to believe it. He didn't abandon you. He doesn't hate you. You just live in a world where there's trouble. 
where he gives us the freedom to cause trouble for others and ourselves. But it doesn't reflect who he is. The Bible says death is his enemy. The Bible, the manifestation of God, Jesus Christ, is the one who's fighting diseases. Even storms that keep your airplane from getting to grandma's house or whatever. Um, Jesus is the one that calms storms. So remember who God is. Who is God? In one of the darkest moments in the entire Old Testament, the book of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah has been rocked because the holy city has been flattened to the ground. And this is a, some scripture that you ought to memorize if you're not familiar with it. It comes from Lamentations chapter 3. I want to get rid of some of these. Okay. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, and my soul is cast down within me. So these circumstances can just put us into a real funk. But I recall this to mind, therefore I have hope. Because... Oops, sorry, I didn't spell check this. I changed. It says the Lord's and then put the Yahweh's. But anyway, get rid of that. The. Because of Yahweh's great kindness, we're not destroyed. Why? Because God doesn't like to destroy us. He likes to let the things in life that we cause train us, teach us, promote us. Um, he doesn't delight in the death of anyone who dies. And he doesn't want to cut anyone off. And he wants all to repent and come to knowledge of the truth, etc. Why? Because his compassions never fail. So this person that is, I guess, the equivalent of uh, watching what happened in Hiroshima, you know, that ended World War II, this is what happened to Jerusalem. It is flattened. And this guy, this is a city he loves, the people he loves. A lot of them have been hauled off to, you know, who knows where. Uh, a lot of them killed. He's looking around. He's, he's devastated. He's been torpedoed. He says, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. So what's your torpedo? somebody die, you go through a disappointing circumstance, uh, relational tension. Again, it's endless. But because of Yahweh's great kindness, we're not destroyed. We don't have to sink ever, never, never. If you sink, you chose to sink. If you sink, you chose to sink. And I'll say it again. If you sink, you chose to sink. Even if you're the one that launched the torpedo that is currently sinking your ship. If you sink, you have chosen to sink because you've forgotten who Yahweh is and you've not put your hope in Yahweh. You've not looked to the hills because he's going to rescue you. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do these words sound familiar? Kindness, compassion, faithfulness. Of course they do. It's Exodus 34, 6. That's what you recall to mind. I say to myself, Yahweh is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. That's what you have to do. Remember who he is, and then what? Do what he says in the waiting. So what are we tempted to do when the ship is torpedoed? Condemn ourselves, especially if we launched it. God doesn't want to hear from me. Yeah, he does. The first thing he wants to hear is, Sorry, God, that was really stupid. You're right, I'm wrong. That's what, that's what confession is. Confession is, God, I should have done it your way. So even if, that's why David said, the broken and the contrite heart, you will not despise. The, for some of us, if we did it ourselves, the first thing we need to start with is, you're right, I'm wrong. Not, why are you doing this to me? But God, I did this to myself. Um, 
We can't give in to fear. But the first thing I said was condemnation. Don't give in to bitterness either. Don't, don't uh, lash out in hatred towards the people that are acting unjust towards you. Don't lash out in hatred towards or bitterness towards. We don't say we hate God. We use euphemisms, whatever. We're angry. Don't lash out towards God or anyone else. Don't, don't respond in bitterness and don't respond in fear. I better come up with a plan. Remember who he is, that he's kind and good and he's for you. He, he manifested himself in Jesus Christ. You can go from Genesis to Revelation. There's nobody who humbled himself and truly sought God and his solution who, who God didn't come through for. But then you have to very carefully do what he says. Like what? Own your mistakes. And then hand the mess to him. We've gone over this so many times. My ship is sinking, Lord, whether I caused it or not. But... It's your ship. So I'm going to I'm going to take my hands off the wheel and I'm going to let you have your ship and I'm going to let you make the call. You tell me how to move forward. Teach me, train me. James 1, Romans 5, the whole book of 1 Peter. We're, we're going to be in these difficult situations and so we're going to hand the mess to him and expect him to bring good out of it. And the third thing is is I just want to encourage you guys as you're hit with these different trials, because it just seems like this month we've just been hammered, hammered, hammered. Um, you recommit to truth and obedience, but don't make it worse by coming up with some scheme yourself, some plan. I was obeying God like Moses. I was obeying God, and then the people rejected me, so I figured I better regroup, go back to the wilderness, and see what went wrong. No, it's no keep, keep pushing forward. You'll get past the obstacle. You'll get through it. God will teach you something. Um, but remember uh, to do the things when you're in night, in the night, the spiritual night, do the things that you were doing in the day and don't, don't lose your way. Psalm 139 says that darkness and light are alike to him. If I say darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will become night, darkness and light are alike to him. So uh, right now, kind of in my confusion and in some of the chaos and things that are happening in the church, I just say, well, what, what keeps me alive um, when things are clearer, when I don't feel like the ship is sinking? Well, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to pray and I'm going to be in the word and I'm going to show up to my CD group and I'm going to open up my heart to the people who can help me. I'm not going to get scared. I'm not going to go mope. I'm not going to indulge in some sin habit as if or pattern or whatever, as if that could help me out. I'm going to just do the things that makes made sense to me when it was light out and were keeping me alive. I'm going to recommit to those things. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to move forward in faith and obedience because I know he's good. And I'm not going to come up with a plan or be motivated by any, any sinful attitude. I keep, <laughs> I really, I, I keep thinking about very specific things I know are going on in the church and, and there's, I just wish there was somebody I know there's somebody who's going through something really difficult. I'm like, what I'm talking about is that difficult thing in your life. Don't act any different now because you're surprised that the consequence is, you know, not going the way that you expected or people are accusing you or it looks like you failed when you're trying to obey the Lord. Just stay steady, stay in the word, stay in prayer, believe God loves you. And it's all going to turn turn out just fine. Don't give into that fear. Don't give into the condemnation. Um, don't isolate. 
because that's just where the devil can pick on you, your ship is not going to go down. So um, back, I'm going to not go there just yet. Back to the New Testament. And again, that if God can use the personal stupidity torpedo for our good and his glory, we know that he can use all the other ones. And I could have taken a lot of time and thought of different types of torpedoes. But injustice and and kind of the blind side thing, those are, those are pretty good examples. But um, in the New Testament, there are a couple of guys that torpedoed their lives, right, uh, at the end of Christ's ministry on earth. And then, of course, Judas. <clears throat> Judas was one of them, but Peter was another one. And it was their own foolishness and sin and pride and greed, etc., that brought it about. There's no one else that they have to blame except themselves for what happened. And of course, Judas betrayed Christ. And uh, yeah, it doesn't get a whole lot darker than that. It really set off the series of events that led to his ultimate crucifixion and betrayal. The, the greatest act of injustice the universe has ever seen was the death, the trial and death and um, crucifixion of Christ. And Judas really is the one that uh, set that whole ball in motion. But then when Jesus was in the midst of it, Peter, who was supposed to be his right-hand man, who said, uh, although they all deny you, Jesus, I will stand with you. I'll lay down my life for you, etc." When Jesus really needed him, he vehemently denied that he knew Jesus. And fear and pride and self-preservation took over. He just denied him outright. And uh, you see two responses to these self-inflicted torpedoes. Judas committed suicide. Now, usually we're not in that extreme a situation, but that was his plan. How do I get out of this mess? I'm going to kill myself. Despair. And what Peter did was he ran back to Jesus. And he remembered who he was and his kindness. You're never going to find a repentant person in Scripture that isn't received back. Never. It says he went out and wept bitterly. And uh, he not only was reinstituted into Jesus' Jesus's fighting force, he was put at the tip of the spear. And um, he became the leader of the early church. And God used the failure to humble him, to teach him, to ultimately make him more usable, uh, to realize he wasn't all that he thought he was in the flesh. And uh, anyway you have this really fascinating passage, and I'm going to end on this, in um, 2 Corinthians. And it's, it's, you can use it to contrast Peter and Judas's response here. It says, I rejoice not that you're made sorrowful, but that you're made sorrowful to the point of repentance. So in this situation, it had to do with the church responding um, properly to a situation of church discipline. But it's contrasting two types of sorrow, two types of regret, two types of torpedoes. So you were made sorrowful according to the will of God so that you might. Uh, um, I am I'm. Uh, have to move a little. Block there, I couldn't see the word so so that you may not suffer loss 
in anything through us. For a sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So that I think Peter and Judas are a great example of this. Of uh, Again, a lot of our torpedoes were not self-inflicted, but I just thought the most extreme example is the self-inflicted torpedo. Judas has a sorrow that leads to death because it's it's... It doesn't have hope in it. It's full of despair. It's not looking at the character of God. I believe that if Judas had focused on the character of God and the love of God and the heart of God, God would have received him back because that's what God does for everybody. It says the broken and the contrite, you will not refuse. Back in Psalm 51, that's why David could run back to the arms of God. And that's what da- that's what Peter did. He ran back and he said, uh, the repentance without regret leads to salvation. And so that leads to restoration, that leads to promotion. That means that the torpedoes in our life do not need to sink our ships, but uh, we just wait. Do what the psalmist said, I'm gonna wait for the Lord. I'm gonna wait for the Lord. I'm gonna look look up to the mountains and like Gandalf told Aragorn on the seventh day, I'm gonna come and the impossible is gonna be set right. And of course the movie's just a fantasy, but it's a good analogy because the impossible in your life and the overwhelming in your life The devil is trying to tempt you to get your eyes off the Lord, look at your circumstances, and start making foolish moves. And ultimately, what's he after? He's he's trying to destroy you. He just wants to destroy you. So uh, I'm preaching to the choir today um, in the midst of this very confusing month where my father died, Richard's brother died. COVID started ravaging everybody again. And uh, people in our church are hanging by a thread. The potential for someone that we all care about very much to be, you know, asked to leave the country. Um, There's just, there's so many crazy things going on right now. And God says, hey, just take a deep breath. Lift your eyes to the mountains. Remember who I am. Don't start making dumb uh, decisions based on fear, based on uh, uh, condemnation, based on what, whatever. Uh, I will bring good out of this. I will ultimately things are going to be better after you go through this, but just keep your eyes on me. So that's kind of what I've done. I've just been like, hey, this is all going to calm. This is all going to smooth out. This is all going to be fine. I'm going to learn and grow from it. The church is going to be fine. Uh, whatever small or big issues that hit our lives, we have a God who will come to the rescue. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. And uh, so whatever you guys are facing, getting forced to leave the country, uh, having COVID, having family members die, having um, maybe some wonderful life event, get burst like a bubble, leaves you reeling, traumatized, whatever, just, uh, I guess I can go back to where I started. Bam, 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 bam. And I'm almost done. And I'm just going to run back to the beginning where we started. Hope what to do in your life is torpedoed. Many of us have been torpedoed. What we're going to do, we're going to lift our eyes to the mountains. My help comes from Yahweh. He loves me. He's going to do me good. Um, Psalm 103, grab yourself by this lapel, slap yourself. Soul, Rejoice in the Lord. Remember all he's done. He's going to come through again. So I hope that was encouraging for you guys. Get your head on straight. 
uh, it's a new year and recommit to those things that give you strength, give you perspective, help you stay on track. If you need help, if you feel like I, I can't even process what you're saying here, then call a friend and let them pray for you. Let them help you um, get your perspective back. He is our keeper. He's our shade on our right hand. He'll protect us from all evil. He'll keep our soul. He's going to guard our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forever. So God is good. He loves us, just like Psalm 34 says. And uh, soon this month will be passed, and we will enter into a time of joy and fruitfulness because this has been a rough one. So love you guys. And that is my message for the day. And uh, getting done a little bit early, but uh, I'll end with prayer, and then we'll call it a wrap. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the trials that we're facing. Thank you for a body of people that we can press into and lock hands with. Um, help us to, your word says that if we don't apply faith to your word, it doesn't do us any good. So help us to stand on these promises, to believe you're going to come through. Uh, your word also says that we need to repent and own any junk, Lord, that's getting in the way of your blessing us. So convict us and show us, Lord, where we need to own things. But help us to hand our sinking ship to you and know, Lord God, that you're not going to let us be destroyed. You're going to promote us. You're going to bless us. You're going to use the evil, the difficulties, the trials of this life um, to bring about fruitfulness and blessing in our lives. So we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.